Welcome, Welcome to the Bacon Game Sports Box. Your source for the latest on baseball, football, and whatever else he feels like talking about. Get ready. Here is your host, Jesse. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Jesse here with the Bacon Games Fantasy Sports Podcast. I'm joined with TJ as a guest, and we're going to get into some mostly base, uh, excuse me, mostly Red Sox and uh, Patriots sports talk. But um, we're going to start off with uh, with some Red Sox stuff. TJ, why don't you introduce Absolutely. yourself real quick? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Hey, guys. So, um, yeah, I uh, I'm from Boston. Um, you know, lifelong Red Sox fan, uh, lifelong you know Boston fanatic. Uh, had season tickets up to up till a few years ago uh, with somebody we split. So I'm um outside of sports uh, uh comic. I do open mics around Boston. TJ Mack. I have a podcast. So I'm sort of uh just interesting interested in all things comedy sports. So uh, this podcast is is awesome. So I'm really excited to be on here. It's an interesting time to be talking to somebody from Boston with everything that's going on with Mookie Betts and, and the whole cheating scandal and stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about, about me. So. Yeah, perfect. Um, that's cool. Let's, let's start off with the, uh, the first one. Um, so how, how do you feel about the Mookie Betts deal? Obviously. Um, and then we can get, you know, transition that into like how we think the Red Sox are going to do this year, what, what the expectations are. Yeah. So I'm going to land on the other side of the fence that, than most people. I, I happen to like the deal. Personally, and that's that's in the real minority, but I'm talking, you know, long term, I think it's going to work out. I don't think that he was going to come back here. He has a couple rings. He was offered, you know, uh, supposedly the second biggest salary in Major League Baseball. It makes sense he wouldn't want to be in Boston. A lot of guys want to move out west. They want to live where it's warm. They want to sort of finish out, you know, their career or have that, uh, you know, real big run somewhere where they like living. So it wouldn't shock me if he kind of said, you know nod, nod, I'm not going to sign here. And getting something for him is a big piece. So I know there's a lot of controversy kind of surrounding who they got. Um, is it Verdugo? Is that how you pronounce that kid's name? Yeah, I believe, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I know he's got some, some swagger and, and some you know, legal troubles from, from way back. And that situation is, is sticky, but it's going to be interesting. I've heard from people that have seen him that, that he's a stud. So I'm, I'm interested to see. They didn't really get the pitcher that they wanted. They ended up throwing him back and getting a catcher instead. So it's been it's been a mess. But I, I happen to fall on you know the side of kind of liking it more than I hate it. So yeah, I, t- I totally get that. Um, I'm actually like a Jaguars fan for football, and I kind of relate this to like the Jalen Ramsey deal. Um, you you know these guys probably aren't going to come back, and while they're obviously superstars, um, it's better to get something out of them than just have them walk away. And that's tough for fans to handle or, or deal with generally. Cause you know, guys like Betts and guys like Jalen have always been a part of the franchise since they came into the league. So it's just, it's tough for fans. And I, and I get them having like a visceral reaction, but it's probably better to, yeah, you know, be a little more forward thinking about this and realizing that it's a competitive division. And if Mookie doesn't stay, it's kind of a waste for him to keep him on the roster for another year. That's kind of what you're saying, right? It, yeah. And, and you have to look at, you know, the body of work from that ownership group, you know, they, they've won championships, you know, first time in, in 86 years, they're able to get it done. Um, they've made some moves that have been controversial, but have worked out like, you know, sending Adrian Gonzalez packing and, um, 
you know, sending Josh Beckett out, out west to the Dodgers. And at the time, that was like, what are they doing? They threw Carl Crawford in that deal. And, yeah. you know, the next year they ended up winning the World Series. So, yeah, uh, I think if, if Mookie didn't have the ring, it would be a different conversation because you could kind of look at it like he doesn't think the Red Sox are going to be that competitive. But considering he has that, he knows he's maybe the highest guy, you know, paid in baseball after this, the second, um, you know, wherever it lands, I think there's probably other things involved in that. Um, I don't know if that's sort of a LeBron-esque story here of, you know, winning the championships, doing your hometown thing and going, all right, now I'm going to go where, you know, I can live where it's warm and sun myself like an alligator. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know, but that's the way mm-hmm. it felt. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, do you do you think like adding Price onto the deal? You know, I know we call this like the Mookie Betts deal, but like David Price was and I I think he, he's, he's still a fine pitcher. He's not worth a contract, obviously, and that's part of the reason why they sent him. But, um, I mean, I don't know how you feel about losing Price as well. Yeah, it, it, he certainly, in the playoffs, you know, the year they won the World Series, especially against the Astros, he, he turned it on and, and he figured it out. And uh, it turned around his tenure here and, and the way that it will be remembered. But people in Boston just hated that guy, man. Um, I don't <laughs> know if, if you remember, but he got into that, uh, that fight with Dennis Eckersley on the plane. I, um, I have vague memories of this, and I remember I, I like see Boston Twitter sometimes or Celtics Twitter. They talk about this like a little bit, and I remember them saying like how much no one liked uh, Price. So, it was yeah. over, Jack. It was over after that. Um, you, you can't mess with X. So people were not pleased, and uh, he just he didn't say a lot of the right things that the media likes to hear. So uh, he he did rebuild himself and uh, was a big part of that World Series year, but. I think him going was was addition by subtraction because I just don't think anybody liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know how it's going to affect him. I think you could probably go out there and, and challenge you know, somebody to sign to your roster that's maybe a triple A guy that you know has a chance to fit in the fifth slot, maybe catches fire. But mm-hmm. I don't think the stock on, on him was too high. Um, but I think the personality thing is really what did it, did it here with the Sox. Gotcha. Um, how do you feel about? them trading all the stuff away to get under the luxury tax because that seems to be like i i know there was an article or a few articles they've written about uh, one of the gms or one of the owners excuse me with the red sox talking about how this wasn't about getting under the like a set or not the salary cap but the luxury tax and yeah. i mean getting you know getting money to pay for uh prices contract or, or having money you know dealt to to the the dodgers to get um to you know relieve some of that cap hit or that uh the salary do you think that's like part of the deal or an issue or how, I don't know how you feel about that. It's just kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to be a little more lenient with, with the ownership group than I think most people in Boston. Uh, I think most people tend to be a little jaded by the wins. You know, it's hard to really fault this ownership group with, with the rings they brought in. So it, it, John Henry today had an absolute abysmal statement in my opinion. And, and <laughs> I was scratching my head on, on how you could possibly release that. But I do believe that that wasn't the biggest piece. Yeah, I think it was, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Tom Warner or maybe Kennedy said, uh, you know, you don't trade Mookie bets to get under the luxury tax. So I kind of take him at his word there that that wasn't the big piece. Yeah, that that's fair. That that logic follows for me for sure, too. I don't know why you trade a, a generational talent to get under the salary or the luxury tax. It's not like a real like hard stop. Um, OK, cool. So this kind of leads us into the second part about how do you think the Red Sox are going to you know, look going forward this year and year's future? Yeah, you know, so from they- this trade. 
Yeah, they always seem to surprise you, so it would not shock me to see them have a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking through the roster, you still have some nice young pieces like uh, Bogarts, Devers. You still have Martinez. You still have Benintendi. So uh, you still have some serious offense. The question is going to be the mm-hmm. pitching. So what are they going to do and go out there uh, now and, and sign? What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Um so that's going to be the real problem. And I think that was the problem sort of uh, last year too. You know, the, they scored, if I'm remembering correctly, a decent amount of runs and just could not get it done. So I, it would not shock me to see that same path. But I think there's some guys on that team that really want to, uh, you know, prove themselves, especially with the pitching. It may be an opportunity for some young guys, to, you know, whether it's Workman or, or whoever to step up and, whatever role it is. So um, that's my main concern, but it wouldn't shock me. I think they're a playoff team and uh, it wouldn't shock me if they got to the ALCS this year, which I think they probably lose, but that's, that's my early prediction. Yeah, that's fair. Um, They scored the fourth most runs last year. I'm um, just looking yeah. at it real quick. So yeah, I mean, their offense was pretty potent for sure. I, I, I could feel that they're like the core two, I guess now two, three, four, five is all, all pretty good. I would agree. Um, I think the real issue is, what what kind of sale are we going to see this year? I know I think yeah. he's starting spring training pretty slow. I think that I heard those because of, I don't know, uh, some something weird. Um, but he's kind of, you know, the main question mark, I feel like, on this team. Yeah, it may, it may have been a uniform change. I, you know how he hates mm-hmm. those uniforms. He's got the scissors. You, you hear about that um, in Chicago? I don't know if you're familiar with that story. But um, you know what I'm, I'm talking about? I'm, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, perfect. tell me about it. I so, Yeah. So he's a fiery guy when he came to Boston, Uh his big thing. And what they talked about in the media was that uh, he hated wearing this specific Jersey. I don't know if they wore it every once in a while or it was a special occasion or what it was, but um, he just started cutting his Jersey and refused Uh to wear it. He just would not wear them. So when when he came to Boston, that was what everybody, you know, wrote him on. Uh, It was a bit of a hothead. And as long as, you know, you you have them approve the jerseys before they're, uh, you know, they're sent out there, you'd be all right. But, um, I think, and I tell you that because I think he does have that kind of ability to maybe think a lot of himself. And I think that's a good thing mm-hmm. in this situation, especially, you know, he's being challenged now. He was challenged to come here to get a ring with the Sox to, to do that. And now it's sort of the new challenge. You know, he had a bad year. How's he feeling? How's he going to come back? Um, you know, he's not going to be Garrett Cole, but I think he's going to be a pretty good number one. And, and that's the hope. But I think in times like this, that passion and uh, sort of not playing by, you know, the rules and, and sort of getting your, your team, you know, heated a little bit under the collar isn't, isn't always a bad thing. So he's going to be a big leader this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree. I'm, I'm very curious to see who shows up. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's over like the 30 year old mark. He's got to be like 28 or something like that. Right. Unless I'm crazy. He's like, not, not super old yet. Right. Or not, not even thirties. Oh. I don't think. Right. No, that, yeah, I, I, if you would ask me, I would have said 30, yeah. so uh, you might be right on, but no. He he's, is 30. Okay, perfect, yeah. So he's right uh, there. Yeah, but he's he certainly has a, a lot of great seasons in his arm, but just comes mm-hmm. down to, is it that the elbow problems he has, right? Or the shoulder, yeah. the elbow? Something yeah, he's got going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and the other piece of that is you're going to lose innings um, by not having Porcello. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that was a big one. He he filled a ton of innings for the Sox. So we'll see how that affects Sale and um, you know how it affects the rest of the roster and whether he's called upon more. So yeah, absolutely. That's that's totally fair. Okay, um, cool. Let's move on to another semi-connected story. Um, I wanted to know how you felt about the 
Astros cheating scandal. Um, there should have been harsher penalties, or I don't know. I saw a lot of Yankees Twitter being really upset because I believe they played each other in the playoffs. I don't really remember how the Red Sox interacted with the 2017 Astros, but if you want to just throw in your opinion, that would that'd be yeah, cool. yeah, I, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think if I'm remembering it correctly, I was uh, that was the uh, ALCS was the Red Sox against the Astros okay. the year the gotcha. Red Sox won, and uh, the previous series the Red Sox played the Yankees. So I think I was at both of those homes, home games for two for the Yankees and two for mm-hmm. the Astros. So yeah, uh, I'll tell you, man, I was impressed by that Astros team. They look real good. Mm-hmm. And the Sox seem to be a team of destiny. And now it, it makes you think about it, especially in the World Series. It seemed like Cora couldn't do any wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I could remember that kid's name that was hobbled almost on one leg. And they subbed him in. And I, I remember watching it and everybody was just amazed it was like why would you it was like the worst move he had made the whole world series and then he hit a home run it was like a first pitch so he really just couldn't do wrong but it Uh makes you look at it now and wonder yeah i'm kind of landing on the other side of the fence with this too uh i think teams sort of up the ante you know the red Sox, if you remember had the apple watches a few year a few years back Mm -hmm. And, you know, now it's sort of been been up that I think a lot of teams are probably doing it. So for mm-hmm. me, the answer is there's a really harsh penalty. And if you have to take a trophy, if you have to take personal awards away, you have to. But the teams both have to be aware that, you know, the league knows what's been going on. They know that it's been sort of a, a back and forth and, you know, maybe a game that, that teams are playing and pushing it to the limit and that that's kind of wiped clean. And now is where we start. And it's a serious thing. It's, you know, PDs. It's a it's a real, real issue. So I just I have a hard time quantifying, you know, what would have happened, especially when you don't really know how much they were cheating in what series or at what point. I think a lot of people said like teams like the Nationals knew. So they sort of prepared for how they reacted to them. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I don't for me, it's it's sort of a drama it's interesting to talk about. It's almost like the TMZ of sports, but I really just don't feel that strongly about it. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Um, I'm on the side of, I, I don't think you can ever like take away awards or ever take away like championships. I'm, I'm never like a fan of that. It feels way too, I don't know, like the hype already is like there, like they already had it for a few years. They've already done this. Like, I feel like you, you can punish them however, however you choose to punish them. And I think it was a pretty harsh punishment to be honest, because I think, like you like you kind of alluded to, teams have done stuff like this in the past, maybe not to this extent, and for how long, and considering their success in 2017, it's, it kind of makes it feel hollow, but I don't think you can ever take away awards like that and then like give it to the next team that just doesn't feel earned, right? Um, it's, it's hard, and then, you know, yeah. something comes out about the other team. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, exactly. Who knows? But it's 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 a it's a weird rabbit hole to go down, but I, I'll ask you, and yeah. I haven't seen confirmation, but the whole buzzer thing, yeah. Is that is that confirmed? Is that legitimate? Because that's that's kind of a different issue for me. It kind of changes. Yeah, I think it. It, it, it feels like a whole like Twitter conspiracy like thing. It, it really feels conspiratorial. I'm, I'm not sure what the the answer is because I haven't gotten any, you know, like actual confirmation from a legitimate source. But it just feels like people are like, why well, won't you take off a shirt? Take off your shirt, bro. Show me what you got <laughs> under your shirt. It's like, I don't know. Does everyone always take their shirts off all the time and have a like, I, I don't know. Just it just feels very like. Uh, very odd. I, I don't, I, I just, I don't really, I can't believe it unless I really see it. I mean, there's conjecture and I feel like there are a lot of fans out there who are pretty vitriolic and feel like they want this to be so true. They're just kind of looking for every little instance of it happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Did you see the, the, the confetti photo? Yeah. yeah oh conf- yeah, I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. That was one of like the first things. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, it looks like, you know, guys did take their shirts off. There wasn't anything there, right? That's what we're talking about, I believe. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, and if it turned out that that was the case and that that did happen with the buzzers, it would kind of change the way I think about it. Um, yeah. I guess it just banging on trash cans, the whole it just doesn't really jump out at me and mm-hmm. and grab me. And I get why people are, are really passionate about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure Tommy Lasorda is jumping up and down. <laughs> um, it, 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 yeah, but I, I just I, I can't see going back and, and having that conversation of, well, this team should now get it. And then if something were to happen and that team was exposed, where does the trophy go? You know, it's just mm-hmm. to me, yeah. what's happened, happened. It's sort of the past. And now you you move forward with actual facts. I think sometimes that gets all looped in They're They're cheating mm-hmm. and there's buzzers and Bill Belichick's a cheat with Spygate. <laughs> <laughs> and they filmed the Rams walkthrough. And mm-hmm. in New England, that's kind of the thing that they go, oh, it, it's no proof they filmed the Rams walkthrough. But it's sort of that similar things get lumped in for, for the story. And I think that's a piece of it. But I will say if that buzzer thing comes out to be true, that's that's really not good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's that's kind of a game changer uh, for me as well. Um, and, you know, people are I, I feel like I've seen every every baseball player that has like marginal support or like is marginally good. I feel like has had a comment on this. So this is just like raging throughout everything. And I, um, I feel like I don't even know which Astros really took advantage of like this system. So pointing out guys like Altuve and guys like Fregman and, you know, going after those guys specifically, I'm just not sure how much they were involved in this kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying too? I feel like it's gotten to the point where we're just attacking superstars because we think it might've helped them, you know? Yeah, it feels a little in, in line with, with with culture a little bit, you know. Yeah. It's sort of you could say anything, and that's okay. That's that's certainly you're right. But you know, mm-hmm. people are affected. You know, probably affects his value if he wants to go somewhere next. You know, if it's looming over his head, how the season mm-hmm. plays out with this distraction. So, um, yeah, sometimes you know, I don't think you, you really think of him as a person, and you don't really um, put them as an individual in, in your mind and how some of these things can affect it, but mm-hmm. that was the same sense that, that I had something definitely happened. And, um, you know, hopefully everybody can move forward. The league finds a way to have a line in the sand that just can't be crossed. You can't even, you know, crouch in on it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel that. Um, so it also looks like the Red Sox, I, it's, it's been a while since I've, you know, looked into this stuff, but there, there's some kind of penalties coming down for them, I believe too. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Or is it for Cora? Right. Who's gone. But yeah. So supposedly um, Lou Merloni, you know, the former Red Sox, he, he has a day show here on sports radio and him and a couple other people. I think it was Dan Shaughnessy uh, were saying that they were hearing that the league was not turning up a lot in that search. OK. Then today there were some conflicting reports, but it's all uh, inside information. So it really depends mm-hmm. right. on you know, who your source is, but I've heard both things. So uh, the issue is whether Cora actually used those techniques with the Red Sox. And I think that is what's being claimed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just remember that when, when this all broke, it was like, yeah, like a month later, we'll have something out like dealing with the Red Sox and their issue and nothing has come out yet. So it's just, you know, building the anticipation, but I, I agree. It doesn't seem like there's a lot to be made of this. So I'm, I'm wondering if there'll be any like real penalties coming down for the Red Sox. Um, I hope not, but it, w- it would be yeah, in line with yeah. Boston sports lately, I guess. So. Yeah, that's definitely true. 
Okay. Um, the next thing, I guess we could like real quick talk about. Um, if you thought there were any free agents left on the market that can make an impact on any MLB roster, I know there's really not a lot left because I was going over like my top ten or top twenty free agencies left or free agents left in free agency like a half month ago, and like all of those guys are gone. Yeah, I was I was kind of you know looking at the same thing and, and thinking the same thing. Uh, I mm-hmm. believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Dozier is not signed. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take Dozier. Um, I know Colin McHugh's out there. Puig's mm-hmm. out there. Puig's yeah. an attitude guy. After seeing him in the World Series, I, I, I love him as a player. But I, you did see the the unlikable aspect of him that comes out, and you do wonder how that affects a clubhouse. You know, they they got up in one game, and he hits a home run, and you know they're jumping up and down, and you could see him kind of taking the lead with that. And I think they lost that game, so it was it was mm-hmm. superfluous. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm going to say Dozier, Puig, and, and McHugh. McHugh's a, obviously a real wild card. You know, what's left there? What can he do? But um, Dozier it could be some nice, you know, leadership. Oh, somewhere. yeah. Sorry. Uh, it looks like Dozier's on the Royals. Just looking at it real quick. That happened today? Uh, I think it happened a little bit ago. But he's on the Royals, from what I'm seeing. I missed that. All right. So uh, you get Colin McHugh and, and Puig, which are pretty much the, the yeah. two that I – interested in and then you go real deep yeah it, there, there's not a lot left i was just curious if you had anything like any kind of crazy stuff on because i was like a huge domingo santana fan and i'm happy he found a home in cleveland yeah. um but i there's like a lot of guys you know that that have been taken up so yeah okay cool um yeah, i know brock holt's a, a hometown favorite here in boston yeah. i don't think it's resigned so that's mm-hmm. that's a big one people are, are pushing for just um you know from a morale standpoint people love him so yeah, I think there were a few utility guys. Like, I know Zobrist retired, but I feel like Wilmer Flores is also out there. He's a, you know, utility bat. Um, you know, so, oh, no, he signed with the Giants Flores. All those guys are taken off. It's it's a while, but um, anyway, let's let's move on. Um, so are there any teams that you're, like, higher or lower on than they did, you know, than the record would suggest from last year? Uh, who, who you got as, like, sleeper teams this year? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, I have to say, I, I, I probably see the Yankees beating the Red Sox in the ALCS as much as I, I hate to uh, admit that. We'll see how mm-hmm. that lines up, whether they'd have to play in, you know, the first round, how that goes. Um, but that's probably how I see that going this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in, in years past, you could always kind of select, you know, the Rays or um, you could select the Blue Jays and mm-hmm. kind of see the one of those guys is going to be in the conversation and they're going to surge. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Obviously the, the Dodgers will be there. That, that isn't a shock, but I don't think people realize how powerful that Yankees lineup is. So mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be my, uh, you know, the team that I'm sort of watching the most. I think, I think mm-hmm. going to have an insane campaign. Yeah. I mean, they just need to stay healthy, right? Giancarlo can stay healthy. If, if uh, Sanchez can stay healthy, right? All those guys. That's the big thing. Yeah. Hey, what do you think of the Tigers this year? The Tigers. How about um, that for? They're not they're not super on my radar. Why why tell me why they should they should be on my radar? So, uh, I, I was just kind of curious what what you thought. Um, they've made some interesting strategies and in who they've kind of signed and who they haven't signed. And uh, I don't know. There's just something about that team that sort of sparks every once in a while. And uh-huh. you look at it and you go, are they going to make the right decisions? You know, are they going to have the big bats? Um, what are they going to do? But I remember watching them last few years and, and I thought I saw some real young talent and you know obviously a big bat on that team so that's been the team the last few years that I've watched and you know I was wondering what was going to happen with those guys in the Rangers mm-hmm. uh, the second one 
I don't know if um, you have any inside information or any thoughts on the Rangers, but I'll throw that as the second team to watch at you. <laughs> that's that's funny because um, I like uh, I've been I've been higher on the White Sox in the Central than uh, than any of the other two teams, <laughs> which I find kind of funny. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's just the Tigers that are in, in the Central, not not the uh, not Texas. I know Texas has a new ballpark and they've moved the the fencing. Yeah, you were right on. Feet. Yeah, I, I knew exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I don't know that the Tiger uh the Tigers don't feel like a great team to me this year, and Texas always I feel like they get like that 77 wins and then they're there and it's kind of like can we do better? Have we made the moves to be better? And I feel like they haven't. But um. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not there sure. Those are the two, uh, you know, real big uh, surprises, uh, you know, that I'm going to look for. And that's a winning record. Yeah. You know, I have no idea. But, um, you know, I, I try to go to Fenway as much as I can and, you know, watch as many teams as I can. And every right. once in a while for a few years in a row, you just catch some of those guys and you go, wow, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, I think yeah. they're going to be a, a real contender. And, um, you know, I think the Cubs were the last kind of team before that, that, that I saw that was sort of coming up and mm-hmm. kind of kept my eye on. And um, I forget what that game at Fenway was, but it was almost a no hitter into the ninth. And, uh, you know, you could kind of see them showing a, a, a lot of strength, but a lot of those guys were young. And then uh, it mm-hmm. sort of reminded you of that whole Lester situation with the Red Sox and, you know, the decision that they had to make. So I, I think the Rangers uh, uh, and the Tigers are probably a few moves away from being a surprise contender, but that, that may just be, um, you know, me speaking out of my ass or my love for <laughs> from back in the day. I don't know. Prince Fielder, who knows? No, that's no problem. I, I do. I do like those guys for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm always hesitant. Like I, I liked Joey Gallo last year on Texas and, you know, I liked Adrian Beltre when he played, but I feel like there isn't, I don't know too much that I'm, I'm a fan of, but I, that's something to keep out. There's always teams that go, I did a whole thing on, on the Big Games website um, about teams going from first to worst and, you know, how well they, they normally do. And teams who finish last usually improve like 10 games or so, um, or who finish like, you know, in the bottom half of the division usually end up playing a lot better the last, uh, the next year than, than they're given credit for, for the most part. So those teams can definitely, you know, make those kind of moves. Um, in season, whether it be in season, you know, right, or they've already made them this season uh, in the off season, but we'll we'll definitely check that out for sure. Right? Yeah, I think the I think the Sox did that not too long ago. That that worst of first thing. So. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah, definitely. Um, was that the chicken and beer year? I feel like I, it was the year that followed. <laughs> that that makes sense. Like logically, I feel like I'm not 100 percent on that though. Um, that story sure. took off in Boston. It was it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Were you? Uh, yeah, were, did you ever see some tickets at that time? I did, yeah, and, and it seems like every year that you know you just try to live in peace and enjoy your team. Mm-hmm. And between the, the Patriots and the Red Sox, you just never get it. So it's always <laughs> some insane controversy that we're discussing. But that mm-hmm. one was a goodie, you know. Fans had uh, fans had signs at the ballpark, and uh, instead of wearing you know bags over their head, they were wearing cutout chicken fried chicken boxes. <laughs> so. You know, it's just the media in Boston's a force, man. When they get going, it, people really care, and, and they love their sports mm-hmm. radio. And it's just amazing how quickly they attach to, like, those little stories. And it's just – it's on the front headline. It's the main thing people talk about. So it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
All right, cool. Um, so I don't know if we want to talk any about any surprise players, maybe from like the Red Sox that people aren't paying attention to that maybe they should be, or anyone just in general from the MLB. Are you higher or lower than uh, yeah. some, some people are normally? Yeah. So uh, for the Sox, it'd be interesting to see if Vasquez can have another solid mm-hmm. campaign. Yeah, um, he's the one I think. Yeah. I think he's I think he's the he's the big one to watch. Um. So that's obviously the one that jumps out to me. You know, uh, Jackie Bradley can not hit for so long <laughs> and then go on these streaks where it's just a totally different player. So it's uh, it's frustrating. Mm. But he's one of those guys, too, that can that can really catch fire and um, can surprise you. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what guys that are being traded now like you know outfielders like like a kevin pilar for example that mm-hmm. just signed with the red sox It'll right be interesting to see what he does and how he affects that team or jared dyson right um mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how those guys affect the team even though you may not be looking at them to be the, those big pieces um you know those are the guys that that you're probably gonna you know watch out for adam wainwright got re-signed you know mm-hmm. weeders got signed right in st louis mm-hmm. so it's sort of be interesting to kind of you know look at some of those guys that you may not see as pushing that team over the edge, but um, those are like the first five or six names that popped into my head. I'm, I'm I'm kind of going regional with only three teams there, but <laughs> no, it's fine. No, no, no problem. Um, yeah, I mean, with the MLB, you know, increasing the roster size to 26, 13 players, having having guys in the outfield like a Jackie Bradley and a Kevin Pillar is, is going to be useful because if my if memory serves, Bradley's more of a defensive replacement. Than anything, right? I mean, considering your outfield can hit so well, or, I mean, used to without Mookie, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, he seems he seems. And I, I always I always liked Bradley when he came up. I was a pretty big fan, and now I feel like he's kind of fit into his role or whatever it, it might be now. But uh, especially when there's a, a hole missing from the outfield that Mookie left, it's it's always good to have like probably six outfielders, right, to to fill that hole with whatever yeah. whatever you can. Yeah, and once he gets going, he, he can't miss, and and then mm-hmm. he goes back to not being able to hit again. So it's um. <laughs> But it is nice to have that guy that you can bring in that can go on that hitting streak. Yeah, and I mean, the last guy that I personally remember that was like that was like Manny, right? Wasn't Manny like a streaky hitter? So he's basically the same player, right? <laughs> big, big time. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see about that. Manny was another guy, again, that got traded, though. Yeah. You know, you bring him up. If it hadn't have worked and Manny had went on to win a World Series and the Red Sox did nothing, mm-hmm. you know, people would hold that as a, a real bad trade that, that organization made, but you know, they got rid of Nomar. They got rid of Manny, mm-hmm. you know, Nomar with a different story with his wrist injuries, but um, you know, Manny had something left in the tank, but you know, they yeah. got rid of him. It was controversial. And then they went on and seemed to get the better of that. So yeah, yep. kind of another one that, you know, is an example of kind of trusting the management a, a little here. They have a, a little, you know, cadence behind them anyway, a, a little proof. Yeah, I, I would agree when you bring that stuff up, absolutely. They, they have gotten good deals when it didn't seem like it at, at the time. Trading away aging superstars usually feels like a win, even though it doesn't like at the time when you trade away a good player. So I, I agree. Okay, hey, cool. Did you, uh, did you yeah. see how odd uh, Bryce Harper looks as a Philly? <laughs> he does. He does look odd. It, it, it's still, it's still striking to me. I, I was, you know, when he came up 19 years old, whatever the fuck he was, when he came up, I was just expecting him to be a national forever. So and he still yeah, just what, looks like a national in my mind. I, I just I'm blown away by how strange he looks as, as a Philly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, um, <laughs> for sure. And he I just looks like a guy that's not meant to be there. Yeah, I, I he he doesn't feel Phillyish. I, I I agree. And I wish he had gotten out of the division because I'm a Mets fan. 
So it was kind of great. Oh, okay. Like, oh, Harper's hitting the free agency market. And it's like, oh, wait, he's going to Philly. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if, yeah. if he doesn't end up hitting as well as he used to, you know, paying him all that money might be a boon for the Mets and the rest of the division if he doesn't live up to the contract. So we'll, we'll see. That's a serious Mets fan way to think about that. Um, <laughs> That's the only way you can think about it, dude. <laughs> certain. I uh, actually, we get the fan in where I am, you know, oh, yeah? here in, in Boston, um, mm-hmm. on this radio station that's you know somewhat faint. But uh, anytime I could listen to Francesa back in the day, that was that was my <laughs> shit. So I um, I often reference the horse from Schenectady bit. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that one for Francesa. Uh, I'm I'm not to yeah, be I'll honest. Troll call, troll call. So I, I recommend listening to that <laughs> one when you have a chance. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I uh, I mean, I'm also have have always had like a pretty. Uh, good outlook on the Red Sox just you know from hating Yankee fans and all that general stuff from growing I grew up in Jersey so growing up in the area just like Yankees fans like second nature so always had a, a good affinity for the Red Sox <laughs> nice nice yeah this is you know coming together uh for your common enemy right yeah exactly and I and I love Fenway I've visited Boston like a few times since graduating college and I actually went to, the only time I've been to Fenway like actually in the stadium was uh, to see Pedro return when he was a Met coming back to Boston. And uh, as uh, the Red Sox crushed him, I'm pretty sure he let up like eight runs in like three innings or something like that. Um, but I, you know, I was having a good time there anyway, because I, I think, uh, you know, I've always had like a soft spot for the Red Sox. And I love Fenway. When I went there to see Pedro, it was an amazing stadium. Yeah, uh, Pedro is the man. So yeah, <laughs> we can all agree on that. They, they treat you all right over there, Fenway? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, we yeah. were, like, full-decked out Mets fans, yeah, and they were good with it. Yeah, there's a big pre-2004 vibe and post-2004 vibe in that place. So um, now you can pretty much go, you know, safely as a visiting uh-huh. fan. And before that, not so much. So it's interesting mm-hmm. how, how winning calms you down. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense. I was I was gonna. I'm like wondering what what is the 2004 to five? That that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it went a lot as a kid, and I can remember mm-hmm. getting like, um, I, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan, and I remember getting hit with like quarters in the back of my head one time. Jeez. Uh, it just never. They were just people were out of control. Um, but I have a lot of good memories. You know, meeting Cal Ripken, meeting Johnny mm-hmm. Pesky. Oh. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that that meant a lot to me. And then when they won. Now you sit there and you look around and you're like, wow, there are a lot of fans of other teams. And back in the day, <laughs> they'd be getting yelled at, ta- you know, whatever. And now yeah. you, know, you even see, I was talking about that almost no hitter. I think it was by Arietta with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. admit, I was there and I stood. I, I gave the guy a, a round, you know, standing ovation mm-hmm. for being able to get through almost nine innings with no hits. And that was kind of used that week. That was the big story, you know, how soft mm-hmm. Fenway is that now opposing pitchers get standing ovations, but it definitely is, is that winning thing. It, it, it softens you up a little. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be honest, there are 162 games right in baseball. If I go to a no hitter and it's the opposite team, like I'll be happy. I saw a no hitter just generally, you know, right. It's the same way I feel it's on the bucket list. So it was, uh, it was crazy to see it. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, that it was Steven drew that broke it up with like one out in the ninth. And I was like, really Steven drew, you know, it was like his first game. They, (laughs) signed him not even yeah. jd you know yeah. the, the bootleg jd drew so it was it was not i was not thrilled with that but yeah no i that's that that's totally fair i the most uh, the most exciting experience i've ever had in a stadium was the Andy chavez catch in 2007 six from the mets i was there for that but i i haven't seen anything close to like a no hitter or even like a cycle even um that would be really cool to see though 
stuff like really? that. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody, everybody go crazy or what was that like? Can you tell me what it was? Oh, uh, Andy. Yeah. I mean, so we, we were actually in the outfield and, um, but we were like up in the stands, like a lot harder. So I just saw the ball going out and then I saw it like disappear like below me or whatever like that. And then I just heard everyone get up and scream and it was just that's a very awesome. joyous moment coming together. Yeah. Um, that's what it felt more like. I like saw it. I didn't see it happen. Um, cause I saw the ball going there, but then I watched it on the screen and I was there for the game. So it just feels very, you know, warm. Although that, that series, I think that's what most Mets fans try to forget. Cause I'm pretty sure that was the Cardinal series. And that was the only time I ever cried, uh, at a baseball game is when the Mets lost that series uh, to the Cardinals. Damn. So <laughs> it was a heartbreaker, bro. Yeah, it was. I woke up, I, I watched like the game and I like fell asleep because I was like an eighth grader or something like that. It was the, I think they went to seven games. It was the seventh game and the sixth game, um, whatever they lost it in. And I remember going to sleep and then waking up at like four o'clock in the morning, be like, oh my God, I have to watch it. I have to like watch the news. And it was like way back before you could, you know, find it on the internet or whatever. And I just stayed up like watching for like an hour and they finally got back to it. And I saw the pitch and it was like a 12 6 curveball. And you could just see it as it goes right into the catcher's mitt. Beltron knew what happened. I knew what happened. Uh-huh. Fish knew what happened, and it was just real sad, and I cried. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you say that. As I, I have, I have my own, my own story, you know, there. So I'm with you, and you know, we're we're sports brethren, baseball brethren. Mm-hmm. But I remember I was living in New Hampshire, and I watched that. Uh, it was the Grady Little game against okay. the Yankees, and I. I fell asleep and the game was tied and I woke up and it was the 11th inning, whatever it is, 10th inning, 12th, 12th inning. And Tim Wakefield is just throwing that ball to, to um, Boone, Aaron Boone. Mm-hmm. And I watched that home run and I thought it was like a replay and I was <laughs> waiting for them to talk about it. And then I realized that my heart was being broken in real time, you know? Oh and, man. Uh, it was the same. I just sat there in the dark. I had to get ready for school the next day. It just cried, you know, it was like, this yeah. is, you know like how did this happen and the next morning my dad was like yeah we're gonna be in a red sox fan kid (laughs) (laughs) yeah but baseball sports they they teach you some hard lessons for sure (laughs) i would say absolutely Um, yeah okay all right cool so i think the last thing we're gonna talk about for baseball stuff is i don't know if you have any like really very early pre-spring training world series pick mvp pick cy young pick anyone you're you know maybe out of the norm that you're looking at for those awards yeah, so uh, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, with the Yankees World Series. Yeah, I don't um, hate that <laughs> as much as I would Judge like to. I'm gonna take Judge. I'm that high on him. Um, uh, we'll we'll look at Scherzer for Cy Young over Cole. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure the award's broken down ALNL, though, right? Okay. Um, yeah. That, that that might make sense. Okay. So yeah, uh, yeah so we'll take Scherzer. I, I don't mm-hmm. think he's mega high on that list um uh-huh. you know what is he probably third or fourth or somewhere in yeah there? i mean De- degrom's won it the past two years but search has always been like a number two number three i, w- I would agree yeah yeah um love Degrom's hair back in the day so <laughs> oh I, I, dude i know right i was thinking I that against DeGrom, yeah but uh you know i i think sure just probably gonna have um you have a really good year. I think the Yankees will probably end up winning the World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it'll click. You know that that lineup is just too good, and they haven't found it yet. Mm-hmm. But watching them against the Red Sox, just at all at all times in that mm-hmm. series, felt like this is it. They're going to lose. So I don't know how they pulled it together that season. It was a miracle that you know Price turned around. But I felt like every time I look at my clock, I'm I'm waiting for the Yankees to win a championship with <laughs> with that offense. So uh, that's that's my pr- my prediction. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. 
Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I mean, the Yankees were getting production out of, like, Cameron Mabin last year. I don't know what their, like, pitching or their hitting, you know, coaches were doing, but they were they were killing it, uh, even when all their stars were hurt, right? So, I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see how that looks, but I, I think they're going to be, you know, the, the club to watch, and they'll probably end up, um, you know, br- breaking my heart. But what can you do with <laughs> This thing we're not talking much about, you know, the Dodgers, and they would seem like the team right. that you talk about, but it's just based on, you know, kind of feeling and and from what I've seen, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, it, it'll be interesting. But a team like the Red Sox, even, you know, what's Pedroia doing? Is is he going to do anything? Is he gone? <laughs> so yeah. you know, you kind of, you kind of look at a team like the Red Sox, and you hope they can get past the Yankees. But when you look at their lineup and the power and the age, mm-hmm. it's just it doesn't look good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I feel like Pajori has been a ghost for like the past three years, right? <laughs> so Goodness, yeah. it's been crazy since that whole Machado incident where he sold out his team. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I have vague memories. Baseball is a, <laughs> a lot of stuff, but yeah. yeah. Uh, him and Machado got into it, and they threw at Machado. And um, uh-huh. he went to the top of the dugout and was like, that wasn't mm-hmm. me. That was you know, my team's decision. Yeah. Yeah. I will say uh, I'm a big wrestling fan. I love the heel. So I would love to see the Astros win the World Series this year. <laughs> oh, that would that would blow up so much stuff. Like that would blow up the conspiracy to like a level where no yeah. <laughs> no one you could never like you couldn't say anything. All those people were talking shit about that. You you would just be like, you know, they they did it went under all the scrutiny, under all the backlash, all the penalties and they if they were to come out on top that would be huge. Yeah. I I agree. <laughs> out of garbage cans after their win you know just <laughs> yeah. like just not caring just embracing the heel role would, would make wow, yeah. me so happy that would be very interesting yeah definitely um so real quick before we get into the nfl stuff i i know this isn't stuff that we covered or that i i given you like a pre-prepared stuff but um i don't know if you saw the proposal to like change the playoffs i don't know if you have any feelings about that or if you were to change the mlb playoffs how you would do it because i feel like the playoffs right now are not good i don't like the one game series i think that's like detrimental to baseball it just doesn't feel you know correct for me i don't know if you have any feelings on changing it or the proposed change or anything like that yeah i mean i i am an old school guy i uh-huh. i kind of dislike the dh you know that oh, gives really? you some reference for me yeah um so yeah i'm, I'm old school a, a little bit i tried to read kind of the new proposal uh-huh. and it, it read a little like stereo instructions so <laughs> I'm trying to conceptualize. I get that they have to do something. Yeah, they um, have to. Yeah. But nothing about the playoffs, for me anyway, you know, jumps out and says, you know, we're going to change this and get new fans. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 uh-huh. I'm I, not super comfortable. You know, it's not the NBA All-Star game with whatever that third quarter and the points plus whatever they were doing last night. Did you see that? Uh, I, I, as much as I like the Celtics, um, I'm not really an NBA guy, to be fair. So the All-Star game is like they reset points after each quarter, kind oh, of. Oh, really? And there's like plus 20-something points that they add to their score. I'm sure um, some people are listening yelling at me that I have it wrong. <laughs> but the point is that it doesn't jump out to me as something needs to be fixed. Um, okay. So that's kind of how, how I felt about it. I, I tried to kind of understand how they were pitching it. And it just didn't click with me. The one-game playoff doesn't really bother me all that much, but okay. I can't think of a one-game playoff. And I know there has been some, but I can't think of one that was like, yeah, this really made it worth it. I, I know there was one that was really good. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Toronto um, off the top of my head. but Yeah, I just um, – I feel like it's it's weird to, like, have a team 
be in the playoffs and like, oh, we are a playoff team, but we played one game and we're out of it. And it doesn't like they never got into a series with any team. It just it feels odd to me that like I remember when the Mets made it in 2017 when they played um, against San Fran and it was like Bumgarner versus Syndergaard. And it went to like the ninth inning and then it was a one run shot or it was DeGrom or Syndergaard. I forget which one, but it was a one run shot that like won the game. And I feel like the Mets in a three game series would have totally beat San Fran. So they didn't have the pitching to back it up. And like, I just feel like no MLB team ever plays a one game series with any other team. So having a one game playoff just feels very on major league baseball to me. Um, you know what I mean? Have, have they heard from me on this? That was pretty convincing. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Pretty good. Yeah, it's just I, I'm I'm okay with I, I think it, I think it desperately needs to be changed, but I'm okay with going back to one playoff team or expanding it to like three playoff teams and just playing you know series out. But I I don't like the one game thing. It just doesn't feel very baseball to me. Yes, you're right about that. It is odd to say here's the most important game of your season and mm-hmm. it's in a different format than any other game you've played. Right, exactly. One game. Yeah, I guess I didn't think of it like that. So that's 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 an interesting way to view it. Hopefully I got um, I converted you then. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna go on you know whatever petition I can find for that. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. You, you I'll, I'll sign for no DH though. It's just an old school thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Could you be okay. converted? On, how do you feel about the DH? Impossible oh. for you to be converted on the issue? Or? Yeah. Um. The my my big issue with you know DH pitching thing is I just want it to be uniform. Like either we have the DH and the NL or the AL, or we don't have the DH at all. Like I just want it to be uniform. Great. Yeah, I agree. So, either way is fine by me. Cool. Yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. Um, so let's do some quick NFL stuff. I think this will mostly be um, directed towards the Patriots because I know you're a Patriots fan. But um, so the real big story, I guess, with the Patriots offseason would be Brady. Do you think he goes somewhere else? Do you think he stays? Is there any kind of you know deal you think he's going to work out with another team? Because that just feels so anathema to me. Like so, or anathema to what Brady's uh-huh. been his entire career. Yeah, I, I, I think he's going to stay. Um, uh-huh. If I had a second backup choice, I'd probably pick the Raiders. Okay. Um, yeah, the Chargers. I, I think so. But mm-hmm. I, I think mostly he's going to stay. Um, yeah. I think Edelman recently in an Instagram post, maybe it was yesterday, and you know Tom had commented, you know, get back on the East Coast so we can <laughs> you know throw the football. It just yeah. seems like he hasn't really hinted towards it any wood to sort of soften the blow that's how mm-hmm. i feel and it seemed like their whole getting rid of garoppolo was mm-hmm. sort of siding with tom you know, ownership siding with right. tom so i think that meant something to him so it, would, it wouldn't surprise me to see him stay i'm gonna say i think there's probably a 70 percent chance yeah I, I i probably agree with that um I, it's hard for me to see brady somewhere else but I guess it was also hard for me to see Brett Favre going to a division rival. So any, anything can happen, I guess. But um, I, I just feel like Brady stays. There's no reason he's – the only reason – the only – if I was Brady, the only reason I would go somewhere else is to, like, prove that I can win it without Belichick. That's the only reason I'm leaving. But is that really worth, like, packing up – you know, you've been in this one playbook. You've done this, like, one thing for 25 years or whatever, how long it's been, 20 years. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's worth the effort for him because he's already proved it in every other way besides doing it without Belichick, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you're, you're opening Pandora's box there for, for the answer <laughs> to that question, right? True, true. If by happenstance you don't win, you know, mm-hmm. what's the answer to that question, that you can't do it without Belichick? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I feel like if he wanted to really do something like that, he would have done it when he wasn't 42, <laughs> right? So. Absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah. Um. So even if uh, Brady does stay, do you think they draft a quarterback this year? I I don't foresee that happening. Okay. Um. I think they'll they'll probably kind of stick to their formulated game plan. I think if Brady stays, it'll probably be two or three years, and and okay. and that's it. But if they can push him to that three year, uh, it'll be interesting to see who they they put behind him. But if uh, Garoppolo is what they think he, you know, what they thought he was, and he looks to be that, then you have to think they can legitimately pick and groom somebody when mm-hmm. the time's right. You know, maybe even trade for somebody that other teams, you know, aren't, aren't looking at in that way. So uh, mm-hmm. I just I don't know who they would be interested in as a quarterback that would fit their system. Yeah. And uh, usually the Patriots you know, nine out of ten times draft somebody that has you wondering who the hell it is. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah. That. yeah, no, definitely they are. And, and I love Belichick as a coach GM, so I trust him mostly implicitly like all the time. So I, I, I definitely get that. Um, so with Brady, like you said, probably coming back, what do, you, what do you think the outlook for the Patriots season looks like this year? So obviously they're going to try and win it again, right? If, if they get Brady back, this is a win now season for sure, right? It is. It is. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see if Brady uh... – you know, comes back and then they pick up the phone, Antonio Brown. Um, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. I could probably see that happening. Uh-huh. I, 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 I think Tom was not pleased that they decided to go that route and mm-hmm. maybe the year would end up different, but I can't see them not getting some weapon mm-hmm. or a few weapons that um, are, are Brady's choice. And I think he, he seemed to get along with Brown. He talks about him a lot. They, mm-hmm. you know, comment on each other's Instagram. So it seems like somebody he wants to bring in and, and kind of protect him. I don't know if that's the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Yeah, I mean, the draft is pretty deep for wide receivers, too, uh, for sure. So I feel like them drafting someone hopefully better than what Nikhil Harry was last year. But, I mean, you know, getting back to what they did last year, I mean, they got Gordon. They they tried to get – or they got Josh Gordon, and they got Antonio Brown. So they were trying to give him options. So I feel like what, what you're saying was correct. Like, they when they bring Tom back, which is, I think, what they'll do, putting receivers around him, someone like Antonio Brown would be, you know, really helpful for sure. And that's what they need to do in the offseason, right? I mean, they don't have a tight end, but I think wide receiver is probably more important for going forward. I, I think so, and I think it's probably Tom's pick, and that's the way I mm-hmm. think about it. But I know they're high on, on Nikhil Harry, and that's a, that's a big dude. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. it'll be interesting. There were a couple disappointments. Uh, you know, the other kid's name escapes me um, that they drafted. That was a little bit of a disappointment this year. Alongside Nikhil Harry, I think he was hurt. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, similarly, I think they do have – some wide receivers that are pretty young. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see, you know, what happens there. But yeah, I expect to see Brady sort of say, this is the one, these are the two, and that's how they move forward. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, cool. Um, so I guess getting into non-Patriot stuff, do you have like a favorite non-QB free agent, free agent this year? So I'm pretty high on Byron Jones. I don't know how you feel about him or, or maybe you're uh, more in the camp of like Amari Cooper or like someone else that's the non-QB best free agent. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you have that that a short list in front of you? Oh Let's, yeah, sure. Uh, I can. Spin. Yeah, absolutely. Break this down because I can't say I've checked that. No, that's no problem. Um, I mean, I can kind of like regurgitate it, but I have a list, <laughs> which I think oh, will good. be way easier if I can pull it up. Um, yeah. Okay, so for like non non quarterback guys, it's like. Chris Jones, defensive tackle, Kansas City. Uh, Byron Jones, cornerback, Dallas. Uh, Anthony Harris, DB, safety or whatever, Minnesota. 
Um, Amari Cooper, wide receiver, Jadavian Clowney. Um, and then I've got, yeah, a little more controversial, Anthony Costanzo and Jan Coughlin. Yeah. But I feel like those guys yeah. are top billing. Yeah, so, you know, you'd think Cooper's the guy. Are there mm-hmm. uh, sort of issues there, personality problems? Or I can't remember what, what kind of pushed him from the Raiders, but I know he's a hell of a mm-hmm. talent. He's a fast kid. Yeah, I, I, I think it might have been him and John Gruden clashing, possibly, but I, I do Imagine feel that. like... Yeah, right? Um, I, I feel like that was also a, we're not going to resign this guy because we're in a transition mode, so trading him away for draft picks is what they were trying to do there. But Cooper does have a drop problem. Um, he still has a drop problem, but he's young, and he's going to want a lot of money. So, you know, there's a lot. But he, he made Dallas, you know, into the top passing offense last year. So, because they weren't that last year, and with him, they, they stretched the field a lot more. So he definitely adds value besides catching the ball to a yeah, I don't know. And I don't know that I heard about about much with him and Dallas that were issues. So um, yeah, makes sense. That might be a guy that you see, you know, the Patriots go out and try to get like a, you know, obviously a lot better than a Demarius Thomas. But um, yeah. you saw how that ended last year for him. So it wouldn't yeah. surprise. Me, but that's the big name I, I think that that probably uh, sticks out to me there. That's a, a legit, you know, playmaker. I think. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, okay. I don't know if you wanted to talk anything about draft prospects anyone you're looking for for the Patriots to draft I mean I know it's a pretty deep wide receiver class so if you have anyone that you're thinking about for them specifically or in general yeah no nobody really had really jumped out to me I I haven't really paid much attention um we are always off that's totally fair (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when you had you know kind of talked to me a little bit about this, I was like, oh good, you must know something about who they should draft because uh-huh. that's what I was okay, going to yeah. ask you as sort of the uh, you know your strength. Um, yeah. Who do you think? Who do you like? Um, that's probably mm-hmm. you know something that you'd be more knowledgeable on. So I'll I'll ask yeah. you to fill me in so I can sound smart. <laughs> no problem, no problem. I mean, I so I did like a mock like a week ago, and I had them taking Jordan Love with their twenty third overall pick or whatever they're in the middle quarterback. Um, he needs, he needs time to sit, but he, you're, I don't want to, I hate when people give quarterback comps just generally, because quarterbacks are so insane. You have no idea what they're going to look like. Everyone thought Blaine Gabbert was going to be good. Everyone thought Blake Bortles was going to be good. Christian Ponder, you know, uh, guys like that who are taking the first round and they just never pan out to be anything. So I try to stay away from, you know, comps and like being like, oh, this quarterback's going to be really good. You need to draft him. But I do think the Patriots need to sign Tom Brady and they need to draft a quarterback this year um, and mold them into the guy for the future. So I'm looking at him, I think, uh, quarterback mm-hmm. Utah State. Um, if they're able to get Ruggs uh, wide receiver, if they're, if any wide receiver falls, like if, if Jerry Judy or if CeeDee Lamb or any of those guys fall to close to where the Patriots can maybe trade up or have them fall down to where the Patriots are right now, that would be huge for them. That would be absolutely huge for them. Um, but there are a lot of guys in the second round to grab, too. Uh, I really like uh, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk. I, I, I think that's his name. Ayuk. I have no idea how to say his name, but he's from Arizona State, I believe. Um, there is another guy that I'm thinking of from USC, Pittman, who's a second round oh, talent. Who would, sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, no, no, I, I was um, trying to think of who that was while you were saying it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I know Pittman is a like second uh, round receiver this year, but I feel like in any other year he would be like a late first round pick. So somewhere in the middle of the second round, they could they could find someone good, even if they don't draft someone in the first round. That's a wide receiver. So I, I would just say those names, you know, kind of ring a bell. And this is all very soft. I'm I'm not like super hard. I'm like, yeah, this is what they're going to do in the second round. This is what we're going to do the first round. We're still two months away, but it's just you yeah. know what I'm thinking about. Yeah. 
No, there's um, there's definitely some time, and I know for wide receivers, there's that kid out of Clemson, right, who's who's yeah. a monster. So, yeah. um, it would be interesting to see if if potentially he fell to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some options. You mentioned tight end, and yeah, that's a potentially option that they could look at. Um, I just I don't know why, for some reason, I traditionally think of the Patriots as more of a, a defensive, you know, or offensive line. Um, uh-huh tight team so yeah i'm thinking of like a robert hunt right that's the type of guy they're gonna go out and get you're gonna go really you know or they're gonna go out and get like a jordan elliott right and you're gonna go really so that's kind of the way that i've seen them in the past um you know the logan mankins right he wasn't even on the chart and they're like who the hell is logan mankins (laughs) Um, so that's kind of how I think about them. So usually I ignore the, the somewhat top of the draft and wait for the Mm -hmm. Patriots to pick. And then you have all these guys who you've heard about and they pick the guy that you haven't had on the chart, um, whatsoever. So, uh, I I will say for linebacker, Kenneth Murray is certainly interesting. Um, I don't know if you want to check him out, but he's a beast. Yeah. Um, he, he is one of the guys and he's, he's going in the late first round in a lot of mocks that I'm seeing. So he would definitely be. Uh, a guy they'd be interested in. And the Patriots defense is already good, but they obviously have done such a great job with offensive line talent, even even though their offensive line coach, I believe, retired this year. But they've always done a great job of drafting those non-offensive position players. Like, you know, we're not sure about Sony Michelle, right? Not sure about Nikhil Harry. It's only been a year, but still. You know, I, I feel like I'm less sure about wide receivers, position players on the offense, but anytime they draft a lineman, I'm pretty sold on them usually because they always do a great job with them. Yeah, they, they tend to, you know, sort of put in guys that you wouldn't expect in different positions. You know, going back to like Troy Brown playing wide receiver and then, you know, cornerback. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that they can find flexible guys like that. But, yeah, usually when they when they have a defensive guy that they've, you know, ratcheted down on, a Jamie Collins, whoever, yeah. um, usually they come through. Uh, but it will be interesting to sort of think about maybe offensive guys they could potentially take you kind of opened that up in, in my head. I, w- I wasn't sort of thinking along those lines. Um, but yeah, did you, did you mention Justin Herbert? Did I hear that? No. Um, I, I think Herbert's going to go trade like down. I think, yeah, I mean, they could trade down for him for sure, but he's going to go like top 10, I think. So thinking like it, six or seven. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't gone to the chargers and I think a decent amount of mocks do. I heard Miami might be interested in him. He had a really good um, senior bowl. And I, I think that's shot him up a lot of draft boards, but we'll see. I, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft, but I feel like the top three are kind of set in stone and they'll go top 10 probably because they're quarterback needy teams all over the place, you know? Yeah, you didn't, you didn't. So I guess you didn't have anything, you know, kind of, kind of too crazy. So um, I try not to be yet. Offense, <laughs> but yeah, it'll, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. I, I, for the life of me, I can't, who's that kid from Clemson, that wide receiver that, um, uh-huh. goodness. So I mean, but, yeah, uh, there, there are two. Um, T Higgins, right? Yes. I think it's T Higgins. Um, yep. And then C- is CD, L- dude, I don't know. CD Lamb and Jerry Judy. I'm pretty sure Jerry Judy is the Alabama one and CD Lamb is the Clemson one, but they're like okay. right one and two and like everyone's wide receiver things. And I've yet to watch film on them, but I know they're both really good. So whatever one of the other guys is, is also good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Higgins is, is kind of another interesting yeah. option if we decide to do that. But, you know, are you going to line him up with, with, with Harry and, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, you have Edelman 
perhaps, but without that, you really lose a lot of your veteran, you know, dink and dunk, you know, offense kind of leadership there. But Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe they stretch the field and, you know, those guys have have a lot of speed and kind of see that from Brady this year, assuming he signs. It'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, um, that's all the questions I have. So I don't know if there's anything you want to ask me or talk about real quick before you like plug your stuff and we can sign off. Yeah. So uh, I was curious, you know, I was talking to you um, about the Red Sox and kind of that being my passion. And Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to hear about your first kind of baseball memory, your first, you know, trip to, uh, Uh you know, going to see the Mets. I was kind of curious to hear about that from you. Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, This Fuck, I don't want to make it too long. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to draw on too long. But, I mean, I, I've been playing baseball, or I had been playing baseball for a long time. Um, I played second base for the most part. Um, my dad had always coached me because he's always loved sports, and he really got me into it. I, it's hard for me to remember, you know, one of my first memories playing baseball, probably some kind of t-ball stuff. With I, I remember we, we had the t-ball teams, and they, like, gave us, like, uh, actual MLB teams to have. So I had an Anaheim Angels hat on which I remember there's like a photo of me and, and that's kind of like one of my things I remember. Um, but some of my big stuff, you know, playing second base, we actually took a trip to Cooperstown to play in a tournament. That was pretty huge. Um, that's something from when I was younger that I really liked. Um, I think the crowning achievement in my baseball career, very short, not very good or anything. I played second base. I was an average hitter. Um, I was playing on the middle school team. I was in eighth grade. There was a lot of kids who played second base and I was, one of them in like a platoon there's like four or five of us and when I finally like my turn to hit it's the first game I'm in this season it's like the third game or whatever and I go up and I slap a double down the third baseline um, I'm pretty sure I was like one for three that day with two RBIs I ended the season with like a 333 average with like five hits for 20 at bats and I just remember the first time I got there I fucking nailed it and I uh, saw some chicks cheering for me in the stand so I was like oh. I'm the man <laughs> that's probably my two big memories uh, Still from, talked from about till this day, bro. Still talked about till this day. You know, you're a <laughs> True. I've, I've transitioned my baseball talents into kickball, and uh, that's where I get my kicks now. So I get that. That was funny. That was good. I see what you did there. <laughs> Thanks, uh, man. So, what's your favorite memory going to going to a Mets game? Um, shit, it's probably Andy Chavez one. Um, okay. We, yeah. usually, we usually get a game every year. We go for like Father's Day. Um, yes. I think two years ago we saw Degrom hit a home run, uh, which is pretty cool. So I, I I don't know. I have a lot of memories just going to games and, you know, sit back, relax and enjoy them more than like am like super amped and I like really remember it. You know what I'm saying? Same, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of the same. Way, but when yeah, you have a moment like that, like you were describing earlier, it, it sticks with you forever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It does. I, uh, I'll snag you one last question, if I may. Yeah, uh, of course. So what's your uh, you feel free to give your home review. But, you know, you mentioned the Jags. So. Yeah. I know, uh, I, I, you know, I've been rooting for them sort of as a third or fourth team, you know, from the Byron Leftwich days. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm kind of curious. I, I thought Bortles was going to turn out well. He certainly got that money. Mm, so yeah. uh, what do you think is going to happen, you know, this year? Uh, okay. How, how you feel about things? You, you got a shot. Yeah. My my offseason plan, I, I have a pretty good outlook of what I want the Jaguars to do. I haven't really talked about it on my podcast, so this is good for me to, I guess, get this out there. But what I think they need to do in the offseason to make them a competitive team, which I think they can be next year, um, they need to trade Nick Foles, uh, cut Marcel Darius, or restructure his deal because they're paying him. It's a $20 million cap it that they can get rid of by cutting him. Um, they need to either cut Bouye or restructure his deal. Um, I think I'm leaning towards cut because he wasn't very good. 
um, they need to draft a linebacker either at 20 or at 9, and they need to draft a cornerback with the other uh, with the other pick. Then I think they have a decent shot at being okay this year. I'm a huge Gardner, Gardner Minshew fan. I loved what he did last year, especially for the contract that he's under for the next three years. We need to get out of the Foles deal, which is crazy to me <laughs> that we have that deal that we're dealing with this now. Um, and we're just having a six-round pick lead us. But I think you need to get rid of Foles, have Gardner start, and I think we can be a competitive team. He was 6-6 six and six last year, and the team was pretty shit. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I feel. I, I think the Jaguars can be good. It's a kind of soft division. Um, the Texans don't have a first-round draft pick this year. Uh, the Colts have a lot of dra- uh, a lot of uh, cap space, so I think they'll be bringing in some players. But the division's open, so I, I could see them making a run if they make smart off-season decisions, which I think is possible. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a decent outlook. I, I think you're you're right on. Obviously, you know a lot more about him, but um, yeah. not a lot of people say, "Hey, that guy we just got from from the Jets is what's pushing <laughs> us over the top." You know. Yeah. Um, but I'm right with you. So maybe next time there's some breaking news in Boston, you know, uh, you have me here, and uh, if the Jets oh, yeah. make a run, I'll have to hit you up, and we'll have to get back together, especially if they they meet the Patriots in the playoffs, right? Oh yeah, I I would yeah I would absolutely love that for sure. I. I Everyone who I've had on, I've had a great time talking. You are no exception. I would love to have you back on, like, anytime we can talk about, especially stuff happening in the Boston area, for sure. Um, I do have to say, though, as a as a Jaguars fan, um, it every time we play you guys in the playoffs, you always beat us, and that is very frustrating for me, <laughs> to be fair. It's, uh, it's, it's, not, say it, it, you know? <laughs> it's not easy to rain the Patriots have been on lately. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it's super frustrating, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at least it's not the Jets situation where you have like the yeah. butt fumble. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you know, God. Like you got Mark Sanchez <laughs> out there, that whole thing. So uh, at least it's not, you know, incredibly embarrassing. Right. And uh, I yeah. thought you guys had a, had a decent year last year. It was certainly a year of growth. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, there was a lot of more bright spots than there were the year before, um, especially after coming off of, you know, what happened in 2017 that I don't want to relive or think about. Cause that's yeah. the, only, the only time I've ever cried in a, in a sports uh, in, a, in an NFL uh, setting, I did one baseball, one one football. The only, only two times. You gotta have one. You gotta check each box. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I haven't done it yet for basketball yet, but we'll see. Um, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me on, man. I love of the course. podcast. Uh, it's always great to you know talk and and have kind of a different viewpoint and and then uh, you know your viewpoint and how it is out there in New York. So yeah, yeah, hit me up anytime, man, and keep doing great things. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to like plug your Twitter or like anything real quick or? Uh, yeah, so uh, I have my own podcast, non-sports related, called Feeble Minds Podcast. Um, just you know, sort of me sitting down with people in bands, uh, people that were born in different countries, um, people that are actors, you know, whatever. Just people who interest me. Um, if you're out in Boston, TJ Mack, I do do open mics, so uh, you know, I'm out there, um, you know, writing jokes, slinging things. Sort of in that phase where I don't have a ton of social media because it's just out there grinding working um you know doing podcasts trying to be funny you know talking sports whatever so uh that's all i got man i like i said i appreciate you and um yeah everybody everybody who listens man okay uh i before you go um i so i real quick uh i just wanted to ask you uh what's like i I didn't realize you were a comedian that's fucking super cool um what are like your favorite i don't know we haven't prepared this or anything like that but like do you have like a favorite place you've played in boston because i went to a comedy show for my 21st birthday my dad took me to uh to boston and we saw something like underneath or like by i want to call this bar like wicked wicked wolf or wicked moon or something like that in boston have you heard of that what is it 
Howl at, Howl the, at moon. the Moon. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I saw a comedy club thing, I think, either, like, under it or, like, next to it or something. I don't know if that rings a bell or anything. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, oh, okay. um, yeah, Boston's, you know, super cool. I had pretty much thought my whole life about, you know, being a comic. I always wanted to be. So I, I just had to prepare to eat shit, you know. Um, <laughs> to really do it, you have to get out there and, and go to open mics and, mm-hmm. you know, have a brand and, and try to podcast. So I'm trying not to think about the, the goals or the, excuse me, the accomplishments mm-hmm. yet and just get out there and work. You know, I'm, I'm, it's really hard to be funny and, and write. Um, yeah. But I go, you know, comedy is going through a renaissance right now. So it's really cool. The shows that I've been able to go to, you know, I was out in L.A. um, some months back to see, you know, like Joe Rogan, Joey Uh Diaz, guys that, um, you know, at the comedy store, you know, so that's uh, the great thing. You know, he's a rest in peace, Ralphie May. You know, it was his birthday today. He was a, a comic and got to see him do like three hours at the Wilbur Theater and yeah, there's that Howl at the Moon. There's the um, Improv Asylum. But yeah, if you're looking for me, uh, go to your local Chili's for lunch. Hear me slinging some jokes. Uh, the yeah, Improv Asylum. Um, yeah, there's Rosario's in, in, out here in Methuen, which is like a dinner spot. So yeah, I'll do anything. I'll do a birthday party. I'll do an anniversary gig. Um, anything you got, you let me know. <laughs> cool. Yeah, cool. I, I love Boston, so I'm definitely coming back up there at some point. Um, my buddy went to like school out there and stuff and we usually go up, so I'll have to keep an eye out for sure. Yeah, man. I'm like, um, maybe a half hour North of the city, not even. So yeah, hit me up, uh, hit me up anytime. And uh, I'd love to, you know, have you on my podcast. We'll have to link that yeah. up. And, uh, yeah, like I said, man, I, I really enjoy, you know, your podcast and you having me on and, um, it was, it was great to talk to you. Yeah, of course. Thanks Aaron for coming on. All right, guys, make sure to check out TJ. Um, and his podcast, and hopefully I'll be on that soon, so that'd be really cool. All right, peace out. Peace out. That's it for this episode of the Bacon Game Sports Pod. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And follow Jesse on Twitter at E-S-S-E-J-T-H-E-S-L.